With Oregon football having a big recruiting weekend with a bunch of highly rated recruits incoming, we take a look at which of the names I outlined on yesterday's show would be the most impactful if they came to the Ducks one day. Plus, Oregon basketball, there will be no big dance this year. 80 to 69, the final in the quarterfinals to Colorado. We break that down today on Locked on Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked on Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view. If you're watching on YouTube every day, it's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with all things Oregon Ducks every single weekday. Like and subscribe if you have not already, wherever you are listening to the show or if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel and five star reviews. Nice comments. We love seeing those here at the Locked On Podcast Network collectively, and I'm certainly no different. So always good to know that you Duck fans out there are enjoying the show. There'll be some optimism on today's show. And then I think something we really all saw coming, which is Oregon basketball season coming to a close without getting to the NCAA tournament. We'll get to that later, but let's start on the positive side, right? Let's kick things off on a high note. No need to go down with the, the the negative news of the day. Don't need to be a negative Nancy out here. And it's not all bad news for Oregon basketball. This stuff happens. It's hard. Get to that. So, bunch of names coming in this weekend. I outlined them all yesterday. I think I left off one three-star recruit on uh, on yesterday's show. So go back and listen to that if you want to hear, you know, just who the guys are, where they come from, what position they play. But with all these guys coming in this weekend, it got me thinking, which of them would actually be the most impactful? Should they come to Oregon? They won't be committing after this weekend, of course, but this is the weekend that they're all in town. That's why I'm talking about them right now. So I gave a lot of names yesterday. So which ones would be the biggest gets just going forward in general? Which names should you as Duck fans be looking for in the coming months? Should any of them make a verbal commitment to one of the schools that that is offered these guys, which there are a lot of schools in the mix for basically everyone that, that I talked about yesterday because they're highly rated recruits. But those are the sorts of players we want Oregon to go for. Those are the sorts of players that this staff has showed they will be going for. So who would be who should be the biggest targets, right? Who have the potential to come to the Ducks and make the highest impact in the immediate immediate future? I think the two guys I put first are Mateo Uyunglele and Jaden Wayne. And, and let's start with Mateo. And I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. He is the younger brother of Clemson quarterback DJ Uyunglele. And Clemson is one of the teams that has offered him and is and is interested in a guy who is, uh, I believe, rated as the number one defensive end in the class of 2023, at least the places that I look at, 24-7 sports, rivals, that sort of deal. They've got him as a really highly rated guy. Now, he's not the number one overall prospect like Kayvon Thibodeau was. He comes from St. John, St. John Bosco High School in in California, and he's a heck of an athlete. I mean, <laughs> nobody who's a five star on either side of the ball gets that designation by accident. Sometimes you can look at a three star and think, boy, kind of looks more like a four star caliber guy, but OK. Or sometimes you look at a four and think, boy, not exactly sure what uh, what they see there. He looks OK, but maybe more of a three star guy. Anytime there's a five-star, the physical gifts are going to pop off on the highlight tapes. And 
I, I took the time to watch some, some highlight clips from this guy. Wasn't able to find full games, but the, the clips are impressive, right? It's just anytime you see you see five stars next to a kid's name, there is a really good reason. And he's the number one defensive end in the class of 2023. Not the number one overall player like Kayvon Thibodeau, but still a guy who likely would come to Oregon in the class of 2023 and make an impact right away. You know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I found, you know, Ty Thompson, highly rated four-star, five-star quarterback. He hasn't really played a whole lot. Uh, a lot of other guys on the offensive side of the ball haven't seen the field who, who are pretty highly rated, right? I mean, Jalen Davies was one of the 10 best cornerbacks in the class of 2021. He barely saw the field for the Ducks. Defensive end, though, tends to be a position where you can come in and make an impact right away. And Uyunglele has that has that potential. And, and though he's not the number one overall guy in the class like Kayvon Thibodeau was, he does have something that very much reminds me of him. I don't know if they're exactly similar or if they project the same as pros. I think it's just too early to tell. But when you watch his highlight film, every time he's getting to the quarterback, He's going for that speed rush where he goes on the outside of the defensive tackle, gets off the ball, kind of gives him a little hesitation, like, where am I going to go? And then he ducks under him with that shoulder. He does that very, very well. And what's interesting is Kayvon Thibodeau did that very well when he got to Oregon. And Thibodeau, as a freshman, really had just the one move. That's all he had was, and he was very good at it, but he was not as effective early in his career with the Ducks because he was really a, a one-trick pony as a defensive end. And we all saw that by the end, he had learned more than a few moves. He hit the weight room, was able to just stiff-arm guys and bull rush them out of the way. He had the full repertoire. It's why he will be a top-10 pick in this year's NFL draft, no matter what some uh, scouts are, are trying to say. And, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about that at length. Go back to previous episodes if you haven't seen. Yada, yada, yada. Thibodeau is really, really good. I think Uwe Ungalale is a guy who has all the tools to be you know, physically speaking, to be a Kayvon Thibodeau type player. I don't know if he has quite the quite the instincts, I will say, as, as a pass rusher. And I say that because a lot of his highlights actually come from him playing the tight end position. So he's played both ways. He's coming out as a defensive end. That's certainly what he projects better as, though, if he were in there in an offensive package, I would not complain. But when, when you look at him, I think his ceiling would be a little bit lower than Thibodeau's overall, though still a very, very high floor and would be a very high-impact player for the Ducks should he commit. And anytime Dan Lanning and this staff, I, I've said it before, I will say it again. I can't wait to see what this staff does with the defense. I really can't, especially after this past season when I wasn't wild about a lot of the schemes and I think they were just a little bit soft at times, and I, I just want to see what Lanning does on that side of the ball. I hope he continues to call the defense. That's what he did at Georgia, and I, I hope he keeps doing that for the Ducks. I'll tell you about Jaden Wayne, the other highly touted five-star, and why he would be a big get for the Ducks for the class of 2023. First, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best-tasting bars that Built Bars makes. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're really a treat. And as always, covered in 100% real chocolate. All built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. 
and they're delicious. They are fantastic. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better. They're better for you. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Built Bars, 130, four grams of sugar. That's 130 calories. Four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. If you listen to the show every day, first of all, thank you for doing that. Second of all, you know, I put these in my golf bag because of 17 grams of protein. That's what I need when I'm out on the course. Whatever you're doing, whatever activity you do, maybe you want to take them on a hike or on a walk or a run or whatever you do. If you need protein out there, Built Bars are the best way to do that. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has, you know, it, it can be 200, 300 calories. It's just not what we want. 30 grams of sugar, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. They've got it all. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. That's just the way Built Bar operates. So go to uh, Built.com, enter promo code Locked On or excuse me, lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. So let's get back into this, shall we? We shall. And Jaden Wayne is where we go next on, on today's show. He comes out of the state of Washington. And what have I said on this show, for those of you who've been with me for a while, again, thank you for doing that. Like and subscribe if you have not already. What do I what do I always say about getting in-state recruits? It's a sign of a healthy football program when the top-rated recruits in your state, when you don't have a lot of them, like Oregon or Washington, when they're going to your school. That's a sign that your program is where you want it to be. With that being said, when you can steal recruits from other states like Washington that don't typically have a bunch of highly-rated recruits, Oregon and Washington, really in the same sort of class from a population perspective, when you can do that, it is not only weakening your rival, but it is strengthening your brand in the region. And as a recruiting basis, that's a really good thing to do. And Jaden Wayne is an edge rusher, edge rusher. I put these two guys first because they're edge rushers. I think they would be the most impactful for the Ducks because of their position and that that's going to be one of great need for Oregon. I think the season as well. It's why I want them to go after Mitchell Agude, who's coming on campus this week. And I just think when you look at the defensive end position in general, especially with a defensive-minded head coach, and Dan Lanning is going to know this, your defensive ends are probably the most important position. I mean, look at the NFL. The NFL has defensive ends taken in the top five all the time. All the time. Top five, top ten, they're up there. But defensive tackles? Not quite as often. And the reason is the defensive ends are more likely to get after the quarterback because they're more likely to have one-on-ones, right? If you're running a 4-3, as we likely will with Dan Lanning, which is what he schemed at Georgia down there in Athens, you're going to have defensive tackles who will face a lot of double teams. Or if they are able to beat a center, they'll get passed off onto a guard. But defensive ends, unless the offense is going to chip with a running back or a tight end, you can create more one-on-one situations, especially if you're smart with the way that you scheme your defense, the way that Dan Lanning has proven to be as a defensive coordinator. So they're the most important getting after the passer, which is most important situationally. I and mean, when you think about a defense closing down a game, right, finishing it out, right, the defense put the final nail in the coffin, what are they always doing? Either forcing a turnover, which is often a product of pressure, or they're getting after the quarterback and sacking him to stall the drive. Those are the two things. Your defensive ends do that. So that that's why I put those two guys first is who I think would be the most impactful. And they're they're not just great recruits, but they're at a position where Oregon has to be able to focus in the coming years. If they're going to build the sort of defense that Dan Lanning had down in Georgia, if they're going to do that up in Eugene, 
defensive end has to be the first place you look. There's a reason that, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau will be two of the top picks this year. And Nick and Joey Bosa have been top picks. And Chase Young, all these sorts of guys. There's a reason. It's the most important defensive position. Helps your DBs. It helps your entire defense. They're just they're the most disruptive by and large, unless you have an Aaron Donald on the interior, who I'm convinced is not actually human. That guy is I, I, I'm out of words to describe Aaron Donald and how good he is. So let, let's count him as an anomaly, shall we? Maybe the best defensive player in the history of football. That's a legitimate thing uh, to say about the, the Pitt Panther product. Um, he's just he's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Pretty sure that the Panthers. That could be wrong. He went to Pittsburgh, where Kenny Pickett went to school. There, we got it. So, in the class of 2022, however, those guys are class of 2023, and I think they should be the highest priority targets for Dan Lanning and the staff. For the class of 2022, same reason I'm talking about with these other two guys. We need a holdover at the defensive end spot without Thibodeau, and Mitchell Agude has got to be number one. I, I think he's the best caliber defensive end or can can get on short notice right now. I haven't done a huge deep dive into the portal, but a lot of guys have already moved around and maybe some other names will come available and the Ducks should not be shy about looking there to get some pass rushers because the interior of that defensive line is really set with Popo Almavai, Brandon Dorless, and Sam Taimani. Ducks are good. They added Jordan Riley from Nebraska just for good measure for another big body. If the Ducks can get a good day, I will feel so much better about this defensive line, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, last, last name here is Josh Connerly Jr. Now the, the report I read on sports illustrated said that it was not confirmed that Connerly was going to be visiting. Same thing with, uh, the Overton brothers, I believe who feel a little bit more like long shots, right? They've got ties to other schools and they're seen as a package deal. So they might be a little bit more on, on the outside, but if, he is, in fact, visiting. Josh Connerly Jr. would be a very welcome addition to this recruiting cycle for Dan Lanning and the Ducks because every five-star recruit is, right? Especially on the offensive line when the Ducks lost Kelvin Banks after he went, uh, I believe, to Texas when, when Cristobal and that staff went down to Miami. That'd be a welcome addition. And if the Ducks can snag him, again, another guy from the Washington area, if you pull recruits out of there, it puts Washington in a weaker position, which is what Oregon you know, for the most part should want and, and it bolsters Oregon, Oregon's roster. And that's one thing I'll be fascinated to see is, you know, post crystal ball era, how does Oregon build the offensive lines? Because they were never as good as they were for the last several years. They were good year in and year out, played a really high level. And we have one more year of that offensive line. But then after that, I'm curious to see what happens. It will be, it'll, it'll be very fascinating. Get to Oregon basketball after this. Why did things go wrong against, against Colorado? I'll tell you after I tell you that it's that time of year as college basketball's tournament. It's finally upon us. This, if you can't see there, uh, let me put away the overlay for a second. Uh, March Madness jacket that I wore specifically for this episode because the Ducks are not going to be there. And, well, I was hoping to just feel included in some form or another. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best Spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Oregon basketball. 
It's over. They will not be going. It's over here. Uh, so I'm not a weatherman. They will not be going to this glorious event that we call March Madness this year. And yeah, it's disappointing. You, you come in as the preseason top 15 team, one of the favorites in the Pac-12, you know, behind UCLA, dark horse Final Four in a lot of people's eyes. Don't even get to the tournament. It's disappointing. It's it's supremely disappointing. This game against Colorado, 80 to 69, the final. You know, early on, they were actually hitting shots and they had a lead and Oregon overall got off to a good start and had a lead, you know, a six, seven, eight point lead, right? Nothing dramatic as, you know, we learned, end up losing by 11, but that was uncharacteristic for the Ducks. So I was really encouraged by what I saw early in this game. They were playing hard. They were doing the little things. They showed, you know, that sort of urgency that has been very touch and go this year for Dana Altman's team uncharacteristically. And literally, as I wrote that down, you know, I'm watching the game, typing notes down to, to come on the show and, and tell you about in the recaps. As I typed that out, uh, there were three offensive boards in a row for Colorado in uh, in two trips. So that was uh, that was a little little bit of an announcer's jinx, maybe just 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 a touch. But then in the second half and really at the end of the first half, the Ducks offense. Did what we've seen it do too many times this year, it just went through a long stretch of not being able to score. And they're not the only college basketball team that falls victim to that. My friend Chad Walker and I, who's a producer at, at EA Sports, and yes, that is a very, very cool job. But he and I have talked about this for years. It's just so puzzling that these guys are so good. College basketball, D1 college basketball players are unbelievably talented, all of them. And yet you, they just go seven, eight minutes without a field goal all the time. Good teams. Baylor used to have that problem before they figured out how to score and won a national championship. Oregon's had that problem for years. And you just see it from time to time. And you go sit there and go, man, they haven't had a field goal in, in six minutes? Really? That's a long time. <laughs> if you think that, it's because it is a long time. But, you know, and Folly Dante was having a nice presence inside. Kepnong had some good moments as well. Their ability to box out and rebound, tremendous. Just tremendous. You know, a lot of big guys just want to go after the rebound. Kepnong especially, but Dante does a great job as well. I love the way they box out. I do. And that's why they just swallow up rebounds like a vacuum cleaner, both of them. And that's a great thing. But Dante having four fouls at one point in the second half, not as good. The defense suffered as a result. It always does. And I, there was just a point where, you know, I thought back to the first half compared to what I was seeing in the second, and there just wasn't that same level of urgency. You know, it, it it wasn't there. And they did a lot of good things that Oregon State game. But as I said in the recap, they were going to have to be better to move on in the tournament. And they they were not. They were not good enough down the stretch. And look, there was a moment that I think, you know, the, that expression, what is it? The straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know where that comes from, but it, you know what it means, right? The straw that broke the camel's back is about seven minutes to go. I think it was like the six and a half minute mark in the second half. Quincy Garrier drives. Garrier was fantastic in this game. I really hope he's back at Oregon next year because I he really started to come into his own offensively, and he has got a well-rounded offensive game. He was, uh, he was good in this one once again. I think he had 20 points. He was called for what I am not exaggerating here, you know, I am fully aware of recency bias, and no, it couldn't possibly be. It was 
the softest charge call in the history of college basketball. It was so bad. Dana Altman hasn't gotten a technical in I don't know how long. I can't remember him ever getting one. I'm, maybe he's had one at some point, but it's not something that happens. He was red as a tomato at this call. It's not the only reason Oregon lost the game. They didn't have enough defensive intensity, but I'm telling you, they were kind of starting to lose it, but then they got back into it, and they were down four, and Gary hit the floater, and then this pathetic referee inserting himself into the game unnecessarily charge call. When that came down and Altman was upset, the players were frustrated. From then on, the Ducks never really got that close. Um, it was unfortunate that that happened, and I think is a microcosm of why this team did not reach its full potential or really get even close to it, because this is uh, the talent on the roster, Sweet 16, Elite 8 caliber. Probably not Final Four or National Championship game, but you know the, the absolute max ceiling, Sweet 16, Elite 8. Uh, and they, they're obviously not going, not going to get close to that. And you know, Marcus Mariota was actually at the game in Las Vegas down at T-Mobile Arena. If Mariota can't bring you the magic to get you a win in the quarterfinals, it's just not meant to be. And that's just, I think, the way that it's been trending over the last couple of weeks. You know, after that amazing stretch when they won 10 of 11 and we're just rolling through the Pac-12, it'll look like, oh, here we go. The Dane Altman teams are going to finish strong. This one just couldn't do it. They just couldn't get over the top. And, you know, the fact that that horrendous charge call kind of took them out of it and took the wind out of their sails the way it did, I think is part of the reason that they just never got up there this year is, uh, you know, the consistent emotional intensity wasn't there the way it needs to be in college basketball. And Dana Altman had some great quotes after the game. Uh, if there's ever a, a high note, it was definitely the Dana Altman quotes. I've never seen him like that in a press conference before, giving, giving quotes like this. And other media people who cover the Ducks had, had the same sort of reaction. But here was one quote. We won 19 games. We should have won more than that. Very true. That is very, very true, Coach. There is not an afactual thing in that sentence. Then he had another one when asked of the, the potential to get to the NIT, and I'm sure Oregon will get a bid, and you know probably they could win a game, but for a team that was trying to get into the tournament, getting the NIT, as Dana Altman put it, we had aspirations of going to the Rose Bowl but we're going to the weed eater bowl. <laughs> you got to hand it to him. Having a sense of humor in those moments. That's tough. That's tough. So Oregon's not going to the big dance for the first time since the 2017-18 campaign when they got to the second round of the NIT. And it's just the fourth time in this, the 12th year under Dana Altman that they won't be in the big dance. And just the second time in the past 10 years. Remember, he took over. They won the CBI, which is below the NIT. They won the CBI in 2010. Next year, they got to the NIT quarterfinals, um, or the yeah, the quarters of the NIT in his second season. And then it's been a bunch of tournament appearances, right? So in a 10-year span, Dane Altman has been to the tournament 10 times. Let's let's not worry about him. It just didn't come together this year. Sometimes that, that's the way it goes. It's unfortunate, you know, because you always hold out hope, and it would have been so much fun for them to do what they did in 2019. Uh, which is actually where I where I got this jacket. I got to watch those games, and I was I was working the tournament at the time, and being in those Oregon locker rooms, man, which I had the privilege of doing, was so awesome. Uh, I mean, Pritchard and, and Wooten and Louis King, and it was uh, it, it was a really 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 fun vibe in there. But 
it's not to be this year. It's it's over for the Ducks in terms of their big dance hopes. And you just say, you know what? It's tough to win year in and year out. On to the next. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And go Ducks.